Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal, Part 32 of N, SSH Tunneling. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchatz over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 519, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchatz of bartb.ie. Now, listeners, please turn to the next page. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> you can't tell how old we are, though. The youngsters will not understand what we just did. No, please turn over the tape is what I remember. <laughs> okay, so taming the terminal part 32 of N, SSH tunneling. So we're going to dig some holes. Not really. Yay. To some extent, this is a bit of a bits and bobs, odds and ends sort of episode, and it's probably unlikely that any one listener is going to need all three of the things we talk about. It's also possible that quite a few of our listeners are going to need none of the three things we're talking about. But it's probably good to know peripherally, sort of in your mental peripheral vision, that these things are possible because it may well dig you out of a future hole that you don't yet know you're going to find yourself in. (laughs) Okay. So in other words, you should know that SSH can do this, and then when you need to do it, you can go back and find out the details. Okay. So we're going to talk about three features, and they each solve a different problem. And because they all involve going through the network, so it's very hard to build up example commands for people to follow along at home. So... What we're doing. So normally you can think of us as being a science lab where every student has a Bunsen burner on their own desk and gets to play along themselves. Well, today is one of those lessons when we're using radioactive sources or something, and only the <laughs> teacher gets to play and everyone has to watch. So Alison is going to be the teacher. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm going to be the supervisor to make sure nothing blows up. Uh, okay. Because you don't want to handle the radioactive waste, huh? Right. Well, especially because Alison is playing on my web server. <laughs> Bart, you had a weak moment. Yes. I figured right, I figured it would be terrible to do this without having any sort of practicality to it. So I figured let's let Allison do the do it and then describe what's going on and that way it's better than me just saying what you could theoretically do is. Okay. That, that'd be a bit boring. So being the Nocilla cast, I have decided to try convince Allison these things are a good idea by stating a problem to be solved in each of the three sections, three features, and then describing how it solves the problem, and then giving some practical use cases that you're likely to come across in real life. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a feature called X11 forwarding. And this is a way to allow us to run GUI apps on remote computers. Oh. So, so far we've been issuing terminal commands, and it's been perfectly fine because it's all text in and all text out, and it just shows up in our terminal, and we can see that just fine. But What if you want to run an app that creates a GUI? Well, you might expect, okay, but if the GUI pops up on the remote screen, that's bloody useless to me. So the magic of X11 forwarding is that the GUI runs on your computer, but the app is running on the remote computer. Oh, really? Oh, that sounds kind of cool. So you're basically, you're you're teleporting the GUI through the SSH connection, which is why it's called X11 forwarding. Okay. There are some caveats here. So X11, or the X window system, to give it its proper name, is the GUI system that drives almost every version of Unix and almost every version of Linux, the exception being OS X. <laughs> okay. Apple do not use X11. Apple use something called Quartz as the powerhouse behind our Windows and our dock and our menu bar and all the stuff we see. The GUI in OS X is run by Quartz. But I used to it's be still, able to install X11 on my Mac, right? You still can. So OS X apps are not X11 apps, but Linux apps are X11 apps. And OS X... There is a thing called X Quartz, which is X11 for Quartz. 
And then an X11 app can run as a window inside OS X. Now, you could, in theory, download open-source Linux apps that use X11 and run them straight on your Mac. And I think Inkscape used to have to have X11 to work on OS X. Uh, I think that, didn't the GIMP used to have to have it? GIMP used to as well, and it was horrible, yes. So there are reasons you may have X11 installed. And on the whole, it's very rare to run local X11 apps. But where X11 comes into its own on OS X is if the remote computer is Linux and that that's the GUI you want. You can then have the Mac receive the GUI. Okay. And in general, if you buy a server online, if you're renting some server space somewhere like you do for, for your website, I do for my websites, they're Linux. So if there is a GUI, it will be X11. So all we have to do on OS X is be able to receive. And if we just install Xquartz, we can receive. Okay. That's what we're going to do. So in order to do X11 forwarding, you simply SSH to the server that you want to run the GUI app on, but you pass it an extra argument, the minus capital X flag. And when you do that, there's a good chance, depending on whether you're coming from OS X to Linux or Linux to Linux, I haven't quite figured out what the pattern is, but sometimes it fails. And it gives you warning, untrusted, X11 forwarding, setup failed. <laughs> X data is not generated, blah, 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 blah. Iuga, Iuga, I didn't work. <laughs> when that happens, it's very easy to fix. You add a minus capital Y. <laughs> and you're allowed to cuddle them together, so minus capital XY will do the trick. So I'm going to ask Allison. We're going to just issue a single command, which is going we to be We should confess first, though, that, that uh, you had me install Xquartz before we started this. I did, because Xquartz makes you log out and log back in again. <laughs> right. Which I thought wouldn't work very well on air. <laughs> okay, so I have installed it from... And Bart has a link, of course, a link in the show notes to the download play page at macOS source... For, oh, wait, what is it? It's macosforge.org. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to get you to do is to run Firefox on my server. <gasps> and so the command for that is going to be SSH minus capital X, capital Y, your username at my server. Okay. And then inside single quotes, the command we want to run, which is Firefox. Is uh, my user is Allison. Your user is Allison. And I know the other part of it. The other part of it? Uh, I did know the part of it. Where did I put it? Hang on. Do, 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 do. There it is. There it is. Copy it from here. All right. So when you hit that command, you should notice your computer, well, you won't hear your hard drive rattling because you have an SSD. But you would hear your hard drive rattling. The next thing that will probably happen is the Xorg I, or the Xquartz icon will bounce in your dock. Um, could not resolve hostname, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like a typo on the hostname. I copied and pasted it from where I used it earlier. I'll pop it in the Skype chat for you. Okay. Oh, it's in the Skype chat. Well, here, this is, uh, I will copy and paste what I typed, and maybe you can see something wrong with it. Oop. Ah, that's the one, the one where I made the typo, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I forgot the T. Well, that's what you get when you let one of the students be the teacher. Okay, there <laughs> we go. Okay, now it says... Okay, so it should Wait. bouncy, bouncy... In the dock at end of no, stage now. It said connection failed again. Let's see. Let me copy it now. What I put in there. Okay. What have I done wrong there? This is H1 capital X1 capital X1. Capital X Y, right? Mm -hmm. Did I spell Allison correctly? <laughs> I've been known to do that wrong. It looks right to me. Uh is it giving you an error message or just not working? SSH connect to host services, blah, blah, blah. Port, uh, ah, it's going to the wrong port number. 
Okay, it's saying port 22. Minus, minus capital P in the correct port number. Why is it not picking up your config file? Where should I put the minus P? Let me test it here. Oh, wait, I'm already inside your server. I'm not. Oh, well, that won't work. Then hit exit to get back to your own computer. <laughs> okay, now sanity will resume. I knew that had to be something weird going okay. on. Okay. All right. Uh, that's because we I was already in there. So I got you to test and then never got you to back out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> X, Y. Uh, 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 blah, blah, blah. Space, quote, Firefox, unquote. All right. It's just sitting there. I don't okay, see the dot bouncing, but I'm not... The X11, the X11 app is not small. Uh, dot X authority does not exist. I wonder if we should have tested this before we went on the air. Slash opt slash x11 slash bin slash x auth colon file slash user slash Allison slash x authority does not exist. Hmm. You did you, you did install and you did log out and log back in. We did never test it though. That's a fair point. We didn't uh, reboot. Okay, that's the message I'm getting. And you're using. Oh, oh, it's coming up anyway. Oh, okay. Just took a while. Here it comes. Oh, it is. All right. It's slow because the big caveat of this is this works really great over a LAN. It's quite slow over the internet. <laughs> well, it's only going across the globe. Look That's at that. True. My data center isn't Dublin. Wow. And then you should have a copy of Firefox on my server. And I'm in CentOS. Yeah. Well, that proves it actually. But you can also go to whatismyip.com and you will see that it now says you're in Dublin. Wow. So you, your computer in California has the GUI for a copy of Firefox running in Dublin. Wow. That's kind of magic. Um, I'm the trying to get it to open a tab because I want to leave that screen up, but it's, boy, it's taken, it's taken a, a, it's a hot slow, minute. Right? Because every pixel is being sent one by one. <laughs> oh, a pixel chain, send that over the Atlantic. Oh, wow. Oh, another pixel chain, send that over the Atlantic. Um, <laughs> A more practical use for this, the reason you might want this is to be able to access something that's running locally only. So two examples that I would come across quite often. So there is, you've probably heard of something called CUPS, the common Unix printing system. Yeah. Which Apple happened to have bought, actually, but it's still open source. And CUPS is a, is a way to turn any Linux machine into a print server. And the control of that print server is through a web interface, but that web interface is only accessible from localhost. Hmm. So I have a print server at home that I have my printer connected to, but if I want to configure that printer, I have to have a copy of Firefox on the print server to be able to access port 631 on 127.0.0.1, which is where the CUPS service is. <laughs> and I could carry a monitor downstairs, plug a monitor into the machine that never has a monitor in it, plug in a keyboard, plug in a mouse and run Firefox. Or I could just do SSH minus XY, my print server, and launch uh. Firefox from there. Also, there's a fantastic tool called Webmin, which allows you to have a graphical user interface for administering a server. But you really, 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 really don't want that in any way insecure. So you would run it so it's only accessible from localhost. You'd then... X11 forward in, launch Firefox on the machine, and then you can very safely configure it from there. So it's wow. a way of restricting something to localhost and yet being able to access it remotely. Also, like Firefox is a very big app. It's also very useful for little, like um, on CentOS, 
there's like system-config-network is the network control panel. So you could just type system-config-network and that will pop up as a GUI. Or system-config-printing. Or system-config-clock. Or whatever. So all those little GUIs for configuring Linux, you could just launch them remotely. So huh. that's what it's actually used for. Okay. I got to say, this is not the most responsive thing I've used. It hasn't opened that tab I asked for yet. In fact, I'm not right, sure it's it ever be got... It's unresponsive, right? Yeah. Because you're going across the whole Atlantic. And also, if there's a flash animation or something, it'll grind to a horrible halt. <laughs> because every yeah. pixel of changes is being sent. So this works... Like We use this in work an awful lot because we're going from our office to our data center, which never leaves the campus. And it's really snappy in that kind of environment. Sure, sure. But, you know, this is a pretty extreme example. So you, once you close Firefox, you should get your terminal back. Oh, I, oh, I don't have, have it. Okay, so do I quit X11? Uh, no, just close Firefox. Just close the Firefox window, and okay. you should have your command prompt come back to you. Hmm. I cannot close it. I can't What's, actually get this window to do anything. Maybe it's frozen. I wonder whether it is, if it is, because I can't, I can't type in the URL bar like you said to check my IP address. I can't do that either. Uh, sounds like something's locked up then. Should I quit X11? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Fatal 10, error 11. Okay. X11's done. Okay. As I say, it's very nice across the LAN, bit clunky across the internet. Yeah, that's pretty. So uh, that only works with Linux, though. Like, I couldn't SSH into my Mac Mini and, and bring up Firefox. No, unless you had the X11 version of Firefox installed, okay. like, by okay. ports or something weird. Okay. So, so you could use it for Inkscape, because that's an X11 app. <laughs> you know, it's just enough to make me go install an X11 app and not know. And later I'll have going, what the heck is this? <laughs> right. But the real use for it is, to be honest, for getting at stuff on Linux servers you have. So you have, like, I have Linux servers around my house with no monitor or keyboard or mouse plugged into them. Sure. And I do all of my admin of them through X11 forwarding, because that way I don't have to get off my backside. <laughs> Which I find convenient. There you go. All right. So that's our first feature is X11 forwarding. Okay. Second feature is something called SSH port forwarding. And in this case, the problem to be solved is to secure an otherwise unsecured network connection. Um, it's Think of it as a one-port VPN. You're only securing this one thing we're specifying, but you are securing that one thing you're specifying. I'll give you a practical example in a moment. But uh, So in the general case, what you're doing is you're saying that some port I choose on my local computer is going to be mapped to another port on another destination, and the traffic is going to go from the local port through the SSH connection and pop out the other side and then continue on to its final destination, which is very much the way a VPN works, right? The traffic goes into the VPN on your computer, goes through the VPN to the VPN server, and then heads off the rest of its way. So in this case, it goes into the SSH connection, through the SSH connection, and then continues on its way from there. So it's only protected while it's in the SSH connection. But if the thing you're connecting to is on the server you're SSHing to, it's protected all the way. Hmm. You have okay. complete security. So it is most useful if the thing you want to securely talk to is on the, on the computer you're SSHing to. Then it is complete and utter security. And that happens to be the most common way it's used as well. Uh, before I give you the use case, I'm just going to say that to do it, you use the minus capital L flag. Not quite sure how you memorize that. <laughs> port forwarding has no L's in it anywhere. <laughs> port forwarding. Yeah. 
Okay. So you say minus L, local port, colon, destination host, colon, destination port. And that will create that mapping. Okay. Now the use case is MySQL, which is a very common use case. So MySQL powers an awful lot of websites. It powers most of mine, it powers Podfeet. Powers many, many things. WordPress uses MySQL on its backend, Joomla, Drupal, all these things. MySQL just runs most of the open source internet, let's face it. Now, the MySQL protocol is not secured. It's one of those, like FTP, it, it, it just sends everything in plain text. So you log into your database from home, your username and password are whizzing across the internet, you type a query, select star from user table, all the usernames and passwords are just whizzed across the internet. Ah. It's not good. So a very common thing to do is to simply say that MySQL is only accessible from localhost. And so you tie it down to 127.0.0.1 and only the local computer can access it. But then you're sitting at home with your shiny GUI and you think you can't access it. Well, this is where port forwarding comes in. So you map the MySQL port on your computer to the MySQL port on 127.0.0.1 through SSH. And so... Hmm. What that means is that lo- the 3306, which is the default MySQL port on your computer, has now become 3306 on the computer you've SSH'd into. In other words, you can now connect to the local-only MySQL connection. And as it happens, my server is configured like that, and I've made a database for you. I, I, I believe you, and I'm looking at the command, and it doesn't look terribly complicated, but it seems mm. like magic. Like, why would that it work? Is, it's teleporting a port, yeah. <laughs> It's just it's just some plumbing that connects this port here on my machine to that port there on the other, on the remote computer, and what you do is you tell your MySQL client to go local, and it's actually going foreign because so even though three three zero six would normally be an unencrypted port because we're SSHing the two three three zero sixes together, mm-hmm. then it, with SSH that makes it a private tube. Yeah. Huh. It is magic, right? Well, it's not magic. It's it's it's, it's port a- forwarding. So <laughs> SSH is just replumbing it and right. saying, "Yeah, go through me." Okay. Like like a VPN diverts your network traffic through the VPN. SSH is diverting the network traffic through itself and popping out the other side. Now, the good news here, like the minus L command is horrible and hard to remember, and there's not even a good mnemonic for it. Mm-hmm. Lockdown. Okay, don't worry. No, I said lockdown. L. L. Minus L. Lockdown. <laughs> Link. Link two ports lockdown together. Ports? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, <Maybe>. keep going. <laughs> The good news is like, I use this feature every day and I never type the minus L flag ever because modern GUI clients have support for SSH built straight in. So oh. you just turn it on in the GUI. And the, the free, and I'm not sure if it's open source, but it is free, the free and beautiful MySQL client I use is called SQL Pro. S-E-Q-U-E-L space Pro. It's OS ten only. Sorry, Windows folks. And... Oh, yeah, I meant to... Okay, you're going to open up SQL Pro. Which he had me download ahead of time from a link in the handy-dandy show notes, I assume? The link is indeed in the handy-dandy show notes. Okay. This is OS ten only. This is OS ten only. Right. So when it opens up... Sorry, I'm waiting for mine to open now. Okay, so Ah. I get to enter the connection details. So you'll see that there's a tab there that gives you three options for how to connect. Standard, socket, and SSH. Uh, I bet I want SSH. Ding, ding. Look at me. So with SSH, the, connect, the details are broken into two pieces, the MySQL piece at the top and then the SSH piece at the bottom. So let's just start with the MySQL piece. So you give it a name, I, Allison Test, I don't know, anything, Allison's okay. database. 
some sort of name. The MySQL host is 127.0.0.1. Okay. The username I've given you is Allison. Uh-huh. And I don't mind saying on air what your password is because no one can hit this MySQL server. It's open123. <laughs> okay. All right. The database is Allison underscore test. All right. 3306? You can leave the port as it is. It goes to 3306 automatically. The SSH host name you know, and I'm not going to say on here. All right. Let's see if I... Nope. Did not have it in the buff paste Paste buffer for a time. I I nicely put some other glop in there. Now, do you want me to copy the one in with or without the typo? Uh, Without the typo, please. Okay. That's another way to go it. All right. Username is Allison. Uh, I got that already. Oh. And then you can leave the password blank because it will use wait, your Wait, wait, wait. You just finished telling me the username is Allison and the password was open123. Okay, that was for the MySQL. This is the SSH username. So Wait, where are you? I was on okay. the SSH tab. Should I have okay, been on so the, the standard first, tab? No, no. The SSH tab is broken into the MySQL piece. Name, MySQL host, username, password, database, port. And then the SSH piece. SSH host, SSH username, SSH password. Mm, nope. All it has is SSH host. And okay, then connect right below the tab it. And then click back. There's a bug in the GUI. Look at that. <laughs> there sure is. Okay. And that well, wasn't there in the version I was using last week, but it's there today. Okay. All right. So now it's asking me for SSH user, SSH password you said was blank. Leave it blank because we have keys. That's right. So, so Test connection button to make sure everything's okay. Did we tell everybody that I sent you my public key before we started? Now we have. <laughs> okay. And now the port? No need. Okay. And hit connect? Hit test connect. Test connection is a handy button it has there. All right. Because that will figure out if we have a typo. <laughs> that would never happen with me working on it, Bart. Connection. <laughs> Connection succeeded. Okay, Woo-hoo! then you can go ahead and click connect. All right. I'm going to add it to favorites first, even though I know you can erase me the minute you possibly can. Yeah, I'm going to take away your key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm connected. Okay, so in the sidebar, you should see the list of tables. There's one table in that database. Sample table. If you click on that, and then in the top button, click on content, you will see the sample data I have in there, which is some data and some more data. Look at that. Column one, some data. Column two, some more data. Well, you could click the plus button and create columns or add data or do whatever. Basically, you have, you have connected to a MySQL database that is only accessible from localhost, and yet you are not in Dublin. Interesting. And you have done so securely because we have tunneled the SSH connection or the MySQL connection through the SSH connection. So let me give people a little bit of a reason why I would even care about an SQL database. When I use uh, WordPress to manage my website, the content of the website itself exists in a MySQL database because we're using a LAMP server, Linux, uh, Apache, MySQL, and PHP to, to contact it. So when I put in the title of a, of a blog post, that goes into a cell in a database in MySQL. So now that I've explained that, did I make mistakes with that? No, that's it. That's it exactly. Okay. So MySQL is actually what holds the body of your posts. Right. So your it's, your Word, website. It, WordPress yeah. makes it pretty and makes the text a certain color and a certain size and puts the sidebars in that kind of stuff. But the content itself is all in this database. So my question right. to you, Bart, is I go to the, the web interface of, uh, at Bluehost and I push a button that says MySQL and it opens up uh, PHP MyAdmin, for example. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, is that doing way. what this is doing? 
It is. And because, okay, so that's another way of doing it because PA, that web page is running on blue in Bluehost. Mm-hmm. So they're accessing your database for you. So they're not leaving, it's not leaving Bluehost. So that's another secure way to get to it. Okay, but they're probably doing this port forwarding thing there or no? Well, they wouldn't have to because it never leaves their network. So there's nothing to secure. If you th- okay, so think about it, right? Your th- their web server is in their network. Their MySQL server is in their network. So the only bit that needs to be secured is your browser to that connection, and that's done by HTTPS. Oh, so okay, okay. Could so I use this? Could I use you this could, method yes. to get to Bluehost? You should be able to. We can we can tinker around with the details offline, but you have SSH oh. access, so it should work. Interesting. Okay. All right. So, you know, and I like this GUI. This is a very pleasant GUI. I, I really like SQL Pro. All right. Okay, so that is another, it's another one we can check off, SSH port forwarding. The last one is, I think, the hidden gem of SSH. And if you don't need it, well, great. But if you do need it, it's such a cool feature. So at plain old ordinary port forwarding, you have to know before you start the SSH connection what the destination port is and what the destination server is. And if you were to try... You couldn't browse the web that way because every time you visit a new web page, there's a new destination. And so you could never do it. So you could never use port forwarding to secure browsing the web. But the last feature we have is called dynamic SSH port forwarding, which means you can secure web browsers, email clients, chat clients. You can secure anything, really, on the condition it supports a protocol called SOCKS. Oh, I've heard of socks. I have this vision of servers with little socks over them. <laughs> so the socks is a proxy protocol. Oh, you don't and picture so- the socks underneath? You pictured the socks up on top? Yeah. I picture the feet having... Well, they like- could be hanging off it like Christmas stockings. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> anyway, what socks is normally used for the protocol. So you can imagine you have a large corporation with lots of people and you want to manage what they do on the net. You could run one socks proxy server and say to everyone... None of you have internet access unless you go through the SOC server. And then, so you would have to configure your browser to use the SOC server, your chat client to use the SOC server, your mail client to use the SOC server, and everything you try to do on the internet, it would go to the SOC server, and the SOC server would connect to the internet on your behalf. And then you would search, surf the web that way. So that's how SOCs is normally used. The magic is that SSH allows you to create a SOC server where the input to the SOC server is on your computer, and it doesn't go onto the internet until it gets to the other side of the SSH connection. And then it sprays out onto the internet, which is exactly like a VPN. Hmm, okay. So if you configure your web browser to use this socks proxy, all of your traffic is diverted through the SSH connection, and then it appears onto the internet from the server you're SSHing to. So that is a way, if you're in a coffee shop and you are worried about your fellow diners, or if you're in a hotel and you're worried about the security of the hotel, this is a way to securely get you out of the network and then onto the internet. So like a VPN, you're securing the first mile. Hmm. It's more cumbersome than a VPN, but there are other things you can do with it. So, you saw how horribly slow that X11 forwarding was. Right. Well, if I... If we set up this socks proxy, you could configure your local browser, which is running on your computer, to use that socks proxy, and then it would appear, so localhost would suddenly be mapped to the server you've SSH'd to, and you could then get all those local websites in your browser, because it's going through the socks connection 
through the SSH connection and arriving on the other side, where localhost is now the server. So you can now access you know, whatever <laughs> Wait, you want. What? There. No, you. <laughs> I didn't follow it. It's supporting your entire network connection through the through the SSH. So let's let's do it. Let's let's actually do it. Wait, wait, wait. Try explain that one more time. I before what I was doing was I was SSHing into your web server in Ireland, and I was displaying back on my computer the GUI interface of that was functionally number crunching on the server in Ireland. Correct. What am I doing now? Now we're setting up a, a proxy server, which is going to be listening on your computer. And so the input to the proxy server, one side of it is going to be on your computer, and you're going to configure your browser to send all of its internet traffic to that proxy server, which is your computer. The other end of that proxy server <laughs> is the, my web server. So everything you put in the pipe on one side pops out on my web server. And from there, it would continue to its destination. But if you say that its destination is localhost, it will stay on my server and access whatever's on my server. Let's let's do it, right? Okay, so back to the example of the of the uh, print server. Yeah, so I'm going that to show would be you an example. print server in your browser. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to open up your favorite browser. I don't know that... Actually, do you happen to have Firefox? And I'll give you a reason why. I don't. I don't think really? so. We talked about that yesterday. Oh, no, I do. I lied. I thought you would. I didn't think you deleted stuff. Well, but I get new computers, and I only put what I use. Okay. Well, the reason I'd like you to use Firefox, so Safari can do this too, but Safari uses the system settings. By the way, and it's now I... downloading that update you told me to do yesterday. That's okay. If I were to make you use Safari, we'd probably lose our Skype call, <laughs> which is the only reason I'm making you use Firefox, because Firefox ignores all the system settings and does its own thing. Okay. So you could use any browser if you weren't in the middle of Skyping with me. Okay. <laughs> you could use Internet Explorer if you're on Windows. You, you could use I any had, browser. I had Chrome open, but it's fun to use Firefox again. See, I don't know where Chrome has its bits and bobs. I know how Firefox works. Okay. So first I'm going to get you to just do nothing. Change nothing and go to what is my IP and you will see your own IP address. And it will be very unexciting. Can I use IP chicken? Whatever you like. What is IP chicken? IP chicken is hilarious. It's a chicken that tells you your IP. And what's the URL? IP chicken. Dot. Com. More fun to say. Oh, that's cute. It's a chicken. <laughs> it says your IP address. <laughs> doesn't tell you you're in, where you are, which is one of the nice things about whatismyip.com. All right. Whatismyip.com. That's an awful lot to type, though. It is. All right. Oh, it tells City Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, it does. Oh, it tells me my ISP. Okay. Ready. Oh, there's something really weird going on in my Firefox. Apparently, I'm in Brisbane. Ooh. Okay, I gotta f- check out. I probably have some sort of proxy service. In my- <laughs> well, let's break mine too. Oh, okay. Yours isn't broken. Yours is working fine. But let's break it. Okay. So the first thing we have to do is create this socks proxy server, and we do that with the ssh command I'm about to give you when I find my show notes again. Okay. So in your terminal, type ssh space minus capital D. Again, no idea why there is no D in socks. <laughs> Right. At this stage, they have run out of obvious letters is what's going on here. Okay. Space, a port number. And I'm gonna, I think we should just use the default port for socks, which is 1080. Okay. So space 1080. Okay, that's like space, the scheme Allison per... at my computer. What? Your server? Uh, my server, yeah. Okay. 
and hit enter, you'll get a login to my server and just leave it there. Don't close the terminal. Okay. There is now a SOX server running on your computer, listening on port 1080, that is directing all the traffic through that connection. So we're going to go to Firefox. So right now it's telling you you're in Los Angeles, which is correct. Mm -hmm. We're going to go to Firefox, go to settings, and go to the advanced tab and go to network. And by the way, it's called preferences, but yeah, network. Okay. It says connection. Configure how Firefox connects to the internet. There's a button called settings dot dot dot. Got it. So on there, go to, at the moment, it probably says no proxy or something sensible like that. Right. Change that to manual. Okay. And you see down at the bottom, it says socks host. Type uh, in localhost. Ooh. And the port 1080. Okay. Now, and at the bottom, it says no proxy for localhost host. Uh, yeah, Delete those, okay? Yeah, because otherwise you're not going to get to my suck or to my cups server. Okay. So it's going to send everything through that proxy, even localhost. Okay. You better so let me okay. put this back, or I'm never going to know oh, why yeah, Fi- yeah. Firefox is. Do is put it back to where you found it, which was either system system settings or no proxy. Okay. So, so I said okay. Okay. Now go back to the what is my IP dot com and hit enter, and you All should right. see that your IP has changed. So it was 173.60. Now it's 46.22. I'm in Dublin. You're in Dublin. Yeah. Okay. So that proves to you that your browser is now going through that SSH connection and appearing on the internet on the other side. You appear to be in Dublin. So if you now go to localhost, so HTTP colon slash slash localhost colon 631 and hit enter. Ah, Updated you know, Adobe ah. Flash Player. Thanks. No. Oh. Localhost, what was it? Colon? Localhost 631. So localhost colon 631. Cups 1.4.2. Right. So you are now... Confi- you, if I had a printer plugged into my web server, which I do not for the record, <laughs> you, could, you would configure it from this web interface. You can go to the administration tab there and there's a button add printer. Ooh. Now, this is only available on localhost. So you can only access it because all of your traffic is being diverted through that SOX proxy and popping out on my server. And there's no delays because you're not, you, you're not sending every pixel. Right. Diverting the network traffic, the HTTP traffic, so it's nice and efficient. Huh. Now, if you were to want to watch Irish streaming television, <laughs> you could do so now. Really? Really? What's, what's something I can't see here? <laughs> see, there's nothing of any interest. If I was in the UK, you would now have access to BBC iPlayer. Exactly. That's what I'd want to see. It is. I think there's something called RTE Player to show you Irish television, but really, I wouldn't bother. So can I go get a, 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 a web host at uh, uh, .ie somewhere mm-hmm. and then do this and I could... Yeah. So it makes sense to spend a tenner a month on a cheap virtual server in London. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I would be putting money into the English economy, the British you, economy. Bit, yeah, well, the, yeah. the ten dollars, right? You could also do the reverse. So if you ran an SSH server at home and you wanted to be able to watch American telly while you were abroad, then you could SSH back to your house Ooh. and have the traffic routed through your house, and so you get American telly. So when I was on that one kilobyte per second boat in Assam, <laughs> in okay, India. not the best place. Yeah, 
But if you were coming to Ireland and you wanted to keep up on some television, you know, your favourite sports ball, whatever <laughs> whatever you guys watch. Apparently cricket is big in the Sheridan household. Well, yeah, it's it's come on strong, but now it's over, so we forgot all about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that... So anyway, so there that is. I don't think in a hundred years I could explain what we just did, though, Bart. What we have done is we have configured your browser to you to teleport all of the traffic through my web server. Okay. So everything you browse in that web browser, you're browsing as if it was on my computer, on my web server. Yeah, yeah. I, I, under, I understand the effect of what we did is I am running as though I am localhost on your server in your, uh, at your ISP, uh, your, your web hosting company's site. I'm, I am in there and I'm running. The only reason that's happening is because you have told Firefox it should use a SOX proxy on localhost, which is what we created with the minus capital D flag. Yeah, and say that one more time. That the, the what we did though. Okay, so the SOX protocol is a protocol that can be used to proxy any traffic. So we are saying to Firefox, don't connect to the internet. This SOX proxy that's provided by SSH is going to be your route to the internet. So Firefox has been told everything I try to do, I do using localhost code colon eighty ten. That is then taken by SSH, teleported through the SSH connection, and SSH then lets it go in its merry way on the far side. Doesn't it still have to, like, hop its way all the way to Ireland? Okay, but it's hopping its way through the SSH connection. Okay, so they're just little little support structures along the way on the outside of the tunnel. Right, so it's a, yes, which is exactly what happens on a VPN. So this is effectively the same as browsing the web through a VPN. Okay. All the traffic is routed through the VPN and pops out onto the internet at the other end of the VPN. But in this All case, the, the other net is... SSH. Yeah, in this case, the other end is not... The internet at all. Or whoever. The other end is my server, because that's where we SSH'd to. Okay. And the pipe is not a VPN pipe, it's an SSH pipe. But the effect is exactly the same. Where did we tell it that I was 127, I was, I was local? That was in the, in okay. the Firefox. In Fire, we told Firefox everything is to be sent to the proxy server, even localhost. So Firefox is just saying, okay, fine, whatever I try to do, I send the, I ask the proxy server to get it for me. Oh, right, right. And, and, the, and, and the URL I put in localhost, that's where I was trying to figure out how did it know I was supposed to be talking to localhost. Yes, you put in the, lo, in the URL, yeah. Huh. It's did, a bit brain-wrecking, but it's yeah. So what do you use this one for again? Okay, so imagine you're working on a website that's not supposed to be accessible from off-campus, mm-hmm. and you want to see what it looks like from the world. Well, you tunnel yourself out and you look at your own website from the outside in. Oh. So then I can verify, yep, I have correctly protected that information. It is not visible when you're not on campus. Wow. This allows me to see the world as if I was outside. So when I'm in work, I see the world from in work. But what if I want to see the world from outside of work? Well, tunnel out, look back in. Or if you were uh, if you were outside and you wanted to do something you did need to do while on campus, you could tunnel in. Exactly. Yes, it works both ways. You're right. I could SSH to a server and work, send all my traffic through that tunnel, and then I would see the world from the inside out, which huh. could be quite convenient if I happen to need something on the internet. Right, right, right. Which does happen. Although to be honest, rather than I would probably use our VPN server for that because we have one. 
<laughs> right, right. But if you didn't, this would be a way to do it. It would indeed. And well, it's also a really easy way to browse the web in another country. <laughs> now we'll leave it, right? I know why people want to do that, because we all want American television. Yeah. Well, this isn't a specific... Well, in the, in the cricket example, though, remember, Steve's problem was that he was inside India. Yeah. So he had every right to be watching it, but because we turned on the VPN, he was no longer in India and couldn't watch it. So he had to turn it off in order to be back inside India. That is kind of a bizarre situation where you're trying, yeah, you're, oh, I don't want to be in India. That's dangerous. Oh, wait, but I need to be in India. That's where the cricket is. <laughs> well, he just didn't touch anything else while he watched cricket. So he was okay. Okay. But, but well, it, was, it, it was a fun way to have it really hammer home what you're doing when you're tunneling. Yes. Very, very interesting. All right. Was there so anything that, else? On? That, that's all that's on the agenda for today. I had promised this would be the last SSH, but actually I just realized there's two things I haven't done yet. So we're going to, this is as esoteric as it gets. This is as difficult as it gets for SSH. This is the peak of the difficulty mountain. And like I say, the chances are high that very few of our users are going to need all of these things. But at least one of these is likely to be useful at some point in the future. And just yeah. knowing they're possible is all that really matters for now, because then you can go look up the specifics at the point in time when you need it. Right, right. I, I think that's in general true. You know, a lot of times you teach oh. me stuff and I'm thinking, ah, I'm never going to use that. And then later I'm going, hey, wait a minute, didn't Bart tell us? Right. And I think particularly tunneling to MySQL is quite a common use case. Yeah. Because a lot of people use MySQL for a lot of things. So tunneling a MySQL connection. And the fact that you can do it through GUIs like SQL Pro means that you're actually using SSH, but you don't have to remember the commands. It just works, which is particularly cool. Um, so basically, what we're going to finish up with the next time is some tools. We're going to do two things. So we're going to have a command line tool that Alison has seen a sneak preview of today to get her working on my server. That's going to save us having to remember things. So if you, you, you can basically tell SSH that if I ever go to this server, always use this username, always use this port number, always use this key if you want to use a special key, and so on and so forth. And so you can just type SSH server name, and SSH will know all the rest because you've configured the rest in a special place. And then I'm going to talk about a GUI, which allows you to make basically SSH bookmarks in a shiny GUI. <laughs> so, okay. And in both of these cases... Everything we've done so far, we can configure all of the things we've been typing into the, into, the, into the command shell, either in the sort of shortcut or in the GUI. And so we're not going to learn anything new, but we're going to learn how to make our lives easier. Okay. That sounds fun. Okay, and that's so, going to be the last SSH. So we're going to end on a nice easy one. Okay, that's good. I, I have liked SSH. I think this has been fun. Then again, I got I, to be I, the one working with the nuclear waste at the front of the room. True, but I think SSH is one of the coolest things that has come into existence on the terminal. It, it is, without SSH, I don't know if I could do my job. Wow. Okay. It, it, is, it, is, it is the absolute workhorse of the, ter of the terminal if you do stuff across a network. So anyway, that, that most of our SSHing done a little bit more to do. Uh, I have no idea when it's going to be. Not a clue. <laughs> Whenever it is. <laughs> Until then, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. 